Yeah. So what if you think about something really not so nice? If you think about a frog, a frog is going to grow? Yeah. I'm going to have to think about that one for me. I don't know. Whatever I think is going to grow. Yeah, yeah. Well, May 30th. This one is an honest-to-goodness national day that has been recognized for a long time. It is National Loomis Day. Huh? Do you know what National Loomis Day is? Nope. Well, 150 years ago, wireless communication was just the wild dream of a New York-born dentist. Hmm. Malon Loomis, M-A-H-L-O-N, Loomis, who lived from 1826 to 1886, so he was 60 years old, whose accomplishments were celebrated on the zany holiday of Loomis Day, believed it was possible to harness the upper atmosphere's electrical currents to successfully transfer telegraphic messages without wire. Armed with two kites tied to a copper string, Loomis set out to prove his hypothesis. Mm -hmm. Loomis flew the kites at equal height, 14 miles away from one another, atop Virginia's Massanutten Mountain. Massanutten is the way it's written. Each kite was tied to a copper string, which were then attached to galvan galvanometers. Galvan meters. <laughs> I, I don't know what a galvanometer is. Loomis found that he could use one kite to move the other kite's meter the first known form of wireless communication. So he really did it. Loomis patented his idea, titling it An Improvement to Telegraphing. That was the title of it. Hmm. And tried to get the government to fund further study and possibly to set up a network of wireless communication. In the end, the government decided not to fund Loomis's research. Loomis did not give up on his idea. And by the late 1870s, there were rumors he was going to uh, that he was working on a wireless telephone. Wow, he really was ahead of his time. During his lifetime, Loomis was accused of being a crank and ultimately was dismissed as a fraud. Loomis was perhaps a little too zany for his own time, but he hoped that one day people would utilize his findings. Nowadays, there's an abundance of wireless technology and accessories that connect us to one another, probably far surpassing Loomis's expectations. Well, I would think so. <laughs> so a special thanks to Malin Loomis for daring to think outside the box and giving us Happy Loomis Day. I was going to a radio station this week. I did not know what country invented the cell phone. Ah. Do you? No. Israel. That does not surprise me. Uh, it's not surprising, but I never thought about it. But, uh, interesting. 714 is our number. I, let me drop a little gift for Patricia here. Oh, what, what? I have some Fred Allen material tonight. Yay. And what I want to drop in here is a little routine uh, with Groucho Marx and Fred Allen together on stage Oh dear. after a radio broadcast. Oh dear. So they did a show together and this was strictly all out webbed. So this was just off the cuff stuff? Off the cuff stuff. Oh, wasn't, wow. Wasn't okay. broadcast or anything. Uh, a little longer piece, but I found this one a little shorter piece. And so... Thanks for the wit of Groucho Marx and Fred Allen together, Patricia. Here we go. Groucho Marx and Fred Allen. 
And there's a little bit of off mic with Fred Allen and Groucho Marx. Not really on mic, but that gives you a hint that both those guys were still very witty, even without a script. As Patricia often said, she thinks Fred Allen was better off the cuff than he was handling the script. You there? I think she snuck out. That's okay. 714-545-2071. Our number. And this is Yesterday USA, and we're, uh, we are here. Let's see here. I think I might have lost Patricia. I'll see if she come back in a second here. I'm here. There she is. Here. There she is. I have to confess that I didn't hear it. That's okay. I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't plugged in. It just didn't broadcast over my headset. Uh, that's what I thought. I thought because it didn't. I didn't. I thought maybe because it was just one channel, so we missed out on there. So I realized that's why I cut it short. That's okay. Aww. That's okay. Aww. 714-545-2071. Give us a call. Do we want a Stump Walden question? Or sure. Do you want three happenings first? Up to you. You 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 decide. Well, here are three happenings. May twenty eighth is the birthday of the Dion Quintuplets. Yes. The Quintuplets. Born in nineteen thirty eight, I believe. In nineteen thirty four. Thirty four. So are any of them still alive? I don't know. I think we have at least one left. Mm. I should have checked. Quintuplets. So they're talking about six. Five babies. Five. Wow. Five babies in 1934 in a farmhouse, and the best the doctor could do was wrap them all up and sit them in front of the fireplace in their own little basket and containers, 
and um so mama wasn't taking photos uh no way <laughs> oh no fertilization drugs no, nothing. nothing and i mean it's just astounding yeah. that it's always astounding when quintuplets all survive yeah quintuplets in 1934 is just mind-boggling and having all of them grow up healthy yep without any residual problems, I mean, no overt physical residual problems, is is just nothing short of miraculous. Did Five they, of them. Did they weigh them? How much did they all weigh? I don't know. I don't know if they could have weighed them. In, I, I, you know, because it was a farmhouse. I don't know. My, my uh, great uncle, when he was born, he was so small that my grandmother, my great-grandmother put, could put her wedding ring over, over both his hands. Oh, my goodness. And so to keep him warm, put him in a cigar box and put him and open the oven and just stick him up there, and people from all over would come over by the horse and buggy to see this little guy in around 1914, 1918, whatever Oh, that. and he survived. Uh-huh. We just had hardier stock back in... I guess so. Those were the people who got in the wagons and were the pioneers. They made it. Yeah. All right, May 28, 1951, and this is on the internet, so you know it must be true. Oh, Jerry yeah. Colonna debuted in um, on ABC TV. Ah. And this one is for real. May 28, 1952, the Memphis Kitty Park opened, and why they called it the Memphis Kitty Park, opened in Brooklyn, Ohio. Why would they call it the Memphis Kitty Park? <laughs> Brooklyn. And I wonder if they call it Brookline. It's Brooklyn, the way New York spells it. Anyway, the park's Little Dipper roller coaster is today the oldest operating steel roller coaster in North America. No kidding. Yeah, it's, you know, something like 12 feet high, you know, for a roller coaster. Uh -huh. Kitty roller coaster. And it is now the oldest operating steel roller coaster in North America. That's a, that's a lot of America. Big place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I, if nobody calls, you're going to get stumped. This time you're going to get stumped. Do, 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 do. One, four, five, four, five, two, oh, seven, one. If you want to call and rescue Walden, mm -hmm. here is his question. Which comedian started in radio with his own show, The Spanish Serenader? Patricia's doing her foley for everybody. Uh... This is Beat the Clock. <laughs> <laughs> You're really thinking on this one. Yep. Which radio comedian, you saying? Which radio comedian started in radio with his own show, The Spanish Serenader? Well, I can tell you, I've never heard of the show. So uh, now I'm just thinking about all the comedians who have multiple tries. Oh, uh, I'm going to... Let's try... Uncle Milty, Milton Burl. 
Milton Berle radio? Guy? Yeah, he 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 tried four or five times and he failed all the times he tried. No joke. Oh yeah. It was Hal Perry. In the 1920s, his first yeah, yeah. first shot at radio yeah, yeah. was the Spanish Serenader. Do you know why he he got the name the Spanish Serenader? Well, I'm not sure, but I know he was known he was known as a little boy at the Boy Caruso. Okay, he could sing. His parents were Portuguese. So they th people think Portuguese or Spanish? Well, it's a it's a Spanish language, a Spanish type language. People think Portuguese and Spanish are the same. Do they? Well, a lot of people do. <laughs> I mean, we know they're not, <laughs> but a lot of people do. Anyway, um, his, his parents obviously spoke Portuguese, mm -hmm. which has a Spanish flavor to it. Um, but he was a Spanish serenader. You know where he got his start? In San Francisco. Oh, you're good. You're so good. Then he moved to Chicago. Yes, right. And then he got to be Fibber McGee and Molly's. He, he only went to Chicago in 1937. Yep. When did he, which is 1938, he started playing bits and pieces on Fibber McGee and Molly? I think I've heard some in 37. In 37? Yeah. Really? Yep. Well, you know, he sneaked into so many minor parts. Correct. And when, when I go backwards, I know who he is mm -hmm. in several of these parts. But going forward, it would be hard to tell. Well, there's a show in 37. I think mm -hmm. the only one that we have, late 37, mm -hmm. where uh, I think it's the start when Marion's not part of the show. And something where uh, I can recognize Hal Perry's voice at the end where Jim Jordan packed him by or something. It's a no, it, the character has no name or something, that, mm -hmm. no name that sticks out. And no credit. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Yeah. And Molly was out for 18 months. Correct. With an illness that was unidentified. Um, she spent time in what John Dunning refers to as a sanitarium. Right. Which could be anything. Anything. Um, Frank, Frank, Frank and Jim Jorntal, Frank, uh, understanding rheumatic fever. So he did indeed have rheumatic fever. Yeah. My my thinking is along with other groups of people. I mean, there must be four or five different speculations out there. Mm -hmm. But a sanitarium, it could have been anything from tuberculosis mm -hmm. to um, to an alcohol problem, right. which she apparently did have. But I think it was exhaustion, nervous breakdown, and. Um, the alcohol had kept her up on her feet for as long as she could as a self-medication, and it finally caught up with her. But she came back, and she was just fabulous. But uh, but she was never in great health after that. Mm -mm. So. No. Again, I don't know. I mean, I know uh, people speculate about the alcohol. I'm not too sure about that. Just people who talk to him privately. Uh, I, it's going to be interesting. Um, ben, ben, our buddy Ben Omar, is going to be publishing a, a book from the family itself. Oh, super. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to get their slant on everything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Because they, the, the family's not too happy about that, uh, you know, thought being talked out there. So I think they're going to... I, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's... It's one of the more common things that 
I have read. Mm -hmm. There's so many, as I say, there are so many speculations, but it's one that has right. appeared repeatedly. Right. And I think, and this is where we run into traps sometimes when we think one people dig it up and the people copy it, so we don't, mm -hmm. you know. But exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it'd be interesting to see what the family trend is on all that. Yeah. When we take a break later, I'll dig through Dunning. Dunning has a, a fairly substantial paragraph. Correct. He 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 got lifted that way. I know. But uh. Uh, who knows? You know, I, it could, it definitely could be. You know, but uh, I, I, I know uh, um, Jim Jones was regularly, did, regularly didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And in the 1930s, it it was just disorder that that people would talk about. Mm-hmm. Hello there, you're on the air. Well, that's good. Well, oh. oh my gosh. What is this? This is not the right time. This is not sleep in the morning. Uh-oh. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. I just woke up and couldn't go back to sleep. So I, thought, I decided I'd torture y'all. Uh, didn't, you didn't hear me mention your name then, right? No, no. Okay. Did I mention... I know I did. What did I, what did I mention Harwood's name in, in relation to Walden? Oh, uh, you asked me about... Oh, we were talking about uh, quartz and the, 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 uh, the, the weight of... The, the watermelon. We were talking about watermelon. Oh, right. We were yeah. talking about watermelon. Mm -hmm. We were also talking about weights of liquid. Yes. But, yes, I, I couldn't recall if we had talked about picking out a watermelon, and Walden reminded me that you looked for stems that are no longer existent. Yeah, right. That's just to tell if they're fresh, not if they're ripe or not. So we didn't say anything bad about you, just mentioned your name. You missed a golden opportunity then. <laughs> well, you know, we were, I was afraid you might be listening. Yeah, well, you never can tell, but um, not, not usually real early. How you doing? Well, I'm doing all right, I guess. I have a question for you since you're talking about Gildersleeve or Hal Perry and, and uh, Fibber McGee and Molly. When he left the show, well, when he was on the show, what was his occupation? His occupation on the show, well, he did a couple of different ones. Um, on the Fever McGee and Molly show, that is. Yeah. Well, he wasn't the girdle guy. He was the girdle guy when he went to, uh, oh. I think he was on Fever McGee and Molly, but when he moved... What I remember is he turned up being the water commissioner. Oh, well, that's yeah. He got he turned, the job as water commissioner. We could understand the logic back of that one, but well, when he got to Summerfield, he didn't have I, a job because he had left the girdle factory, and he was applying for jobs, and they finally gave him. He finally landed a job, and it was as the water commissioner. But well, he actually he he came to town to take care of his niece and nephew, right. so he was the guardian. Sort of actually, there's a great trivia question. What was the first thing he ran? On her behalf. In 1941. I don't remember. Run? In 1941. What, did he run on their behalf? Uh-huh. Well, he ran their estate. Right, but there was one episode that they actually had a store. They had remember a that. store? Mm-hmm. How did I miss that? I don't know. What kind of a store? <laughs> it's funny. They had a pharmacy. This was before Mr. Peavy ever showed up. The Gildersleeve Pharmacy? Well, they ran it for one day or whatever. 
guess they decided it didn't work. <laughs> I don't recall that show at all. Have uh -huh. you ever heard that one, Harwood? No, I, I never have. All right, well, you have to find it now, Walter. It's early. Yeah, I can find that. That's no problem. It's within the first two months. Okay, well, then I don't have to listen to a whole lot, right? Uh, no. I'm a bit confused then. You said he worked at a girdle factory. He, he owned, owned the girdle. I he, thought he owned a girdle factory. He did. He, he owned did. it. The, the Gilder Sleeve Girdle. Girdle Works. Girdle Works. It, it, came, it had a couple of different names along the way. My girdle works, that's where he left. He had to leave his girdle works, and then he went to Summerfield, and the job he landed was as the water commissioner. He he ran and won the job. That's was, right. It was, elected, wasn't it? it was an elected position. I think, I think, if I remember, he needed to get backing from the local newspaper, so he won the election to become water commissioner. Uh-huh. And I think internally, I have an interview how Perry won a elected position, elected job, that was sort of uh, unusual, but there could have been a possibility that made sense. And there were water commissioners throughout the country. Not a lot of them, but there mm -hmm. were such a position. Oh, sure. Oh, there were. You know, you know when they had him on TV, mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember who, which one of the two was playing Gildersleeve on TV. Wilder Wallman. Wilder played it. The second one played it. Wildered. Wildered Waterman. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's only one episode of that that I actually remember, and he was supposed he they had him in a hard hat diving suit, <laughs> and he was going down in the reservoir to check on something, and I can't remember what. He did that on a radio script as well. Okay, well I don't remember that on the radio, but I sure remember seeing it on TV and. And the big deal was that the the um, his assistant that was getting him ready and all kept closing the face mask. Oh, gee. And he kept opening it, you know, before he dived. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he kept opening it, and finally he closed the face mask and pushed him in the water. <laughs> and when he came up and he got him out and took the helmet off, the guy said, Gilder Slave, you look a little, our commissioner, I think so he called him, he said, you look a little bit green. He said, how come? He said, because you closed my face mask and I swallowed my cigar. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Walton, on the radio show, when he was going through this big brouhaha or, or this big bravado about making sure that the water was high quality and he went out to investigate something, at the reservoir, yep. he was going to dive. Did he actually dive in that show? No, but you know what? They, you know what? But the big thing they what piece of equipment that always talked about that he had to go down and see Charlie about? Oh, it was a valve. Yes, what, what, what valve? Oh, what valve? It was, it was the running routine. I know, but it was a different. It, it had a specific name. Absolutely correct. That's why I want to know. For a valve, or a, it, it, it was a screwy name. Right. But it was a valve. A snifter valve. That was it? Yep. Oh, I was close. What? You were really close. And Charlie ran the plant for him. I remember that. Yeah. All right. How, which of you two, or were both of you, Little Rascals, our gang fans? I watched, I watched a lot of them as a kid, you bet. Did you watch? Sure. Sure did. Yeah. Well, I've by accident came across a page tonight. No, it wasn't by accident. I'll tell you how I got there. A Little Rascals page, and it listed out all of the characters with a mini bio, like one or two lines next to them, 
and included things that they had done after they left the show in some cases. I counted 37 characters. I had no idea. Yeah, I, I do not remember that many. 37. I mean, it was just incredible. And the 38th was Pete the dog. <laughs> included, they included Pete on the list. But I went to it. I had a Cheers rerun on tonight, and one of the characters sat down next to a, a guy at the bar, and he said, you know, you look just like Spanky. And the guy didn't say anything. He sipped his beer. And the other one was going on. I mean, he's really a jerk in the show anyway. And he was going on about how much he enjoyed Spanky. And if you were Spanky, I would I would just give you a whole list of stories. Are you Spanky? And he just kept drinking his beer. And the other guy walked out. And Norm from the other side said, you're Spanky, aren't you? And he said, yes. <laughs> and it was. Spanky my phone. He'd, yes, he had done a guest appearance on that single show, right. and that's why I was looking up Spanky and came across this list. Bill Bragg used to date his daughter. I remember that. Yeah. But this was in January of 1993, and he died in June of 1993. Yep. But I was I was looking at this character, Spanky. Gee, you know, he really does look a little like Spanky. Spanky McFarland, yeah. And when I found this line about him... On the profile page, it said he made an appearance on Cheers shortly before he died. And it was about five months before he oh, died. You know something, there was a lot in the, a while ago before I called, y'all were talking about people repeating things and stories getting around and all. I think you right. but you know one that I have always heard, and apparently it was not true. I've heard all my life that Spanky was killed in a bar fight. That was, Apparently, that's not true. That was Alfalfa. Yeah, Alfalfa was the one that got killed. Yeah, well, I always heard it was Spanky, yeah. and uh, I can't remember what supposedly happened to Alfalfa. But he, but, yeah, um, yeah, he was killed. I, okay. I think stabbed, I think, if I recall. He was. Um, there was a guy who played uh, Spanky. There were people who impersonated Spankies around the country, I think. Um, same thing with um, Buckwheat. Mm -hmm. had the same trouble. Now, Buckwheat, they had listed as having died of a heart attack at 49. Possibility. I know we're doing the audio book, so uh, with, Bucky, with Buckwheat's son, it could be interesting to see what, when that comes out. Mm -hmm. um, but I think you're right. And he showed he served the country in the military after his acting days. So I think he was right. from the military, yeah. Thank you, and our gang. See, I should have saved Well, I'm thinking, I think there are at least two people who are still alive from the uh, our gal comedy. probably more. <sighs> I wish I had saved them. One from the silent era, from 1923 to 28. Mm-hmm. And one who is best known for a pretty infinite murder trial. Oh, on, and he was on our gang? Yeah, huh. He originally got started, started an Argyle comedy, best known as a... As a uh, Daddy Arbuckle? No. And he's best known as a current... Uh, he was as a... Um, a detective in TV shows. Oh, um, Beretta. Correct, uh, correct. Robert Blake. Uh, Robert, Robert uh, oh, don't tell me. Uh, Blake. Right, he's one. And the other one, from the 20s, who's still around. I don't know that. 
Mickey Rooney was an Argyle comedy kid. Was he? Yeah. I did not know that. Yep. I knew about Jackie Coogan and mm -hmm. did not know that. Yep, did that before he became the series Mickey McGuire, and that's and then they had a whole run of that from the late twenties. But well, I'll be darned. Mm -hmm. You know the the you talking about thirty seven of them? I swear for the life, and I can't remember all of their names, but I swear I can't remember more than six or seven. No. The show. And gosh darn it, you know my I had it up on my other computer and it pooped. There's very few shows from the Molly show in the first three seasons. And I think there's maybe just one from 37. There used to be just one or two from 35, but recently we came across quite a few more. And a few more from 38 have popped up. But our first three or four seasons, for many years, there was hardly any at all. But somehow they yeah, Well, I saw six or seven of the little rascals. But... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I would think you're you're right because you know the the both of them had the traditional kids, but but somehow I remember watching so many old rat cases where you would see a different grouping of kids being involved. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just I don't remember a different group. I just well, I remember, mainly remember Buckwheat, Alfalfa, Spanky, and Darla. Darla. Then remember there was sort of an and antagonist. I can't think of his name. The one that they they won, they shoot off the fireworks in the lemonade stand. I don't remember. I don't remember that. But they had Froggy. Yeah. The the kid with the really square yeah. voice. Yeah. Yeah. Little rascals. What happened? I remember two or three others, but I can't remember their names. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It just um. It was a Hal Roach. Uh -huh. Stuff. Well, I am just kicking myself because. Um, I didn't save. <laughs> now. All right, now let's talk about the TV show Cheers. What's the title of Old Time Radio with that? Say that again? You were, watching, you were saying you were watching a rerun of Cheers tonight. Yeah. What's the tie to Old Time Radio? Banky. Mm, <laughs> it's stronger. The actual TV show itself. Um, oh, 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 wait. One of the creators. Correct. Oh, I'm squeezing. You're, 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 you're right on track. I know. I, I've lost the name. His dad was the head writer for many years at Duffy Tavern. And that I remember. Yeah, A. Burroughs. It was A. Burroughs' son who c created the show for years. A. Burroughs, I knew that. Mm-hmm, you did. Well, <laughs> I, I was on the right track. You were, yeah. <laughs> and you know, you were also, you mentioned Mickey Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, and I swear I believe I heard him tell it that he is where Mickey Mouse, the name, came from. It's true. That is absolutely correct. Okay. Because it started out as Mortimer Mouse. Correct. And uh, Walt's wife did not like the name. Well, and in 19... No, it didn't seem like Walt was too enthused about it either, but yeah. he was one of those deals, he couldn't think of anything any better. And so he was in the studio looking drawing, and this old young kid walked in, and he asked what his name is. It was Mickey. At the time, Mickey Rooney was Mickey McGuire in the series, and that's why they adopted the name Mickey for Mickey Mouse. Mm -hmm. Where did Mortimer go? Mortimer decided to go away. Off into history, I guess. I guess so. Not true. Mortimer really? is one of Mickey's nephews. Morty Mouse. 
Ah. Ah, that yeah. Well, Steamboat Willie is 27, 28, I guess, so. I wonder how long the actual Mickey Mouse cartoons ran before they sort of had other characters take over. Well, when I was a kid, they were running strong at that point. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know how much longer they lasted, but. Because I've seen my Donald Duck and everything took took center stage pretty quickly there in 34. And so you had a ton of Donald Duck features. But, uh, you know, I imagine as you said, Hollywood, I guess Mickey was still going strong. Yeah, they was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was Donald Duck. Yeah. Um, and the cartoon characters were a lot different then because um, I was trying to think of some of Mighty Mouse as the other one seems to come to mind besides mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. Um, but there were some others right now that just will not come to me. But Mighty Mouse with a flying mouse, like Superman. Yep. Well, I'm just trying to think. Did, did Mickey... I wonder when Mickey started to talk. I I guess he started to talk right away. I'm assuming so, you know. I know he, he was the voice of Walt with his voice. Uh-huh. But, uh... Well, I, I don't remember seeing yeah. any of the silent ones. Yeah. Um, I'll, well, like I said, all I remember was the ones in the 50s. And, of course, the Mickey Mouse Club oh, yeah. had on TV. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Are you going to answer a question for me tonight? Why not? <laughs> oh, you think you're such a... I had a question or two for you, too, but I swear I'm going blank this morning, so I lost it. But anyway, what's your question? I'll try. <laughs> I'm off the hook then, right? Yeah, I guess so. And well, no, it, it, was, it was just a, an interesting question of some kind. I can't remember what it was, but go ahead with your... And part of my education? I don't think so. Not in this particular case. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll get, you're out for the summer, I guess. We'll get you <laughs> fall comes. School is out. This is cool. Yeah, yeah right. I'm off the hook. No no more homework? Was it no more teacher? No more teacher? No, no. No more... Pencils, no more books, no more teachers' dirty looks? Yeah, it seems like that's kind of how it went. Okay, all right, here's, here's your question. It's a hard one. Lucille Ball played in a radio show before she became Lucy Ricardo. Yes. Lucy, what was the name of the show and what was her name in the show? I know both of them, and I swear I cannot get it to come to me. Um... As usual, she was always getting into trouble. I thought her husband's name was George. Right. George, yes. Yes, yes. Um, Too early. It just will not come to me. I know the show is good as anything, but the name just will not come to me. Okay, I will mark that one in green. It is tossed out there. And we will go on to I'll, I'll ask you another green one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, are are you a detective person? Do you like radio detectives? Oh yes. Okay. Which of radio's hard-boiled detectives opened his shows with "Get this and get it straight"? Crime is a sucker's road. 
I remember that quite well, too, but the name escapes me. Oh, boy. I, I'm not doing too good this morning. Oh, um... And I'm supposed to be awake. All right. This might be a bad dream tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this is not the time of the night to be getting up. It's it's time to go to bed. All right, Fibber McGee used to greet one of his weekly characters with, Hiya, Uppy. What was Uppy's real name? Abigail Uppington. Yeah, go. I knew you could do that. I wonder when they changed or why they changed from Mrs. Carstairs to yeah, Uppington. Who, who went? Uh, it was Mrs. Carstairs first, Walden? No. Yes. Mrs. Uppington was first, and then uh, around, and then it was played by Isabel Randolph, who was in the Radio Stars book. Right. And then B. Burnett took over Mrs. Right, Carsdale. Right. And you hear that, I know for sure in 46 and probably a little earlier, maybe 45. I don't know why they made the switch. Oh, so you don't know what, what happened to Lillian Randolph. So I, I really Isabel Randolph, that yeah. Lillian Randolph was picked or moved over to another show, but that didn't make any sense. No, it didn't make any sense, and I think she later, she later did TV and things like that. So she was around town, and she made the move with, uh, from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So she was, you know, they wanted her. That's why she took the show. But somehow she was gone. All right. Well, I have two CDs ready to send out to you. I think one of them was Luke Slaughter. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And there was another cowboy one in there. I can't recall what it was, but it's, I've, I've got it. So I can add another one in the envelope before I send it out. Uh, right now, I don't really know of anything. You can either hold them or pretend I didn't get anything this morning. <laughs> I sure wasn't doing too good with two of them. Well, I, I have IOU next to your name, so IOU. Well, that's all right. Um, you like things to eat that are good. Sometimes when you're in the grocery store, find a box of graham cracker crumbs. Uh-huh. And I don't know what brand she bought, so that might mess you up. I'll have to find out. But look on the box for a recipe for peanut butter bonbons. Oh, deliver me. Walden, help me here. <laughs> I want to I tell you those things are some kind of good. They are. Uh, he uses the graham cracker crumbs, I think, two kinds of cereal and peanut butter and, of course, chocolate to dip it in. But... Um, we're talking diet food here, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. If you have a diet Coke, it all cancels out. It all cancels out. Mm-hmm. No, did you know if you break things like this open and let them sit for a little bit, all of the calories That's right. Out? <laughs> calories are running out of them. No, the calories will leak out, yes. Sure will. <laughs> I, was, I was reading a book, and it's about a bail bond company, and... With three women work there, and two of them go out, look, uh, you know, searching for people to skip bond. But one of them, she's on, she's big, and she's on a diet, and the diet says that you can eat one of anything you want, but only one. And she harps on, you know, if she's eating a meal, she can have one bean, one pea, one spoonful of mashed potatoes. <laughs> Well, anyway, 
she has the other woman to stop at a donut shop where she can't decide what she wants. Well, the other woman sitting in the car waiting on her phone, she comes out with two big bags of donuts. She said, I thought that you can only have one. She said, that's right. I got one of every kind they had. Good for her. <laughs> I like the way that lady thinks. Yes, sir. Was that the uh, Janet uh, something of itch book? Yes, it is. Okay. I recognize the character when you described her. Yeah, Lulu or Lula. Yeah, I know. And I've only read one of them. I don't even think I got well, finished with it. That's the only one I've ever had. Funny. It's a funny. Um, oh, yes. Good, it, it's good laughs and what I would call brain candy, where it's entertaining and you can have a good time with it, and it doesn't make your brain work. Right. You can just enjoy exactly it. Exactly what it is. Yeah, you can just enjoy it. But she's funny. She's a great writer. What kind of stuff do you write? Mostly nonfiction. If I had my druthers, I would still be doing magazine article writing. But I moved over to marketing, public relations, and stuff like that there. Okay. Because it pays the bills. That sounds good, Teeny. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I noticed on the, the February McGee and Mile y'all ended up with last week. And, you know, February was all chained up and locked up with his magic trick, and he couldn't get out, and Teeny came in with a huh? key. And she couldn't let him out for another 30 minutes, but she couldn't tell when it was 30 minutes because the minute hand on her witch watch was gone. Witch watch, yes. She only had one hand on her witch watch, yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> love that little character. Oh, yes. She's in tonight's show also. If we get to uh, to playing shows tonight, we've got two shows picked out, but the, the Fibber McGee show has Teeny in it, and she does really well. Mm-hmm. Just so cute. I love that little kid. Yeah, I think that's one of the best characters on there. Yes, yes. She's just... She is so many pieces of kids put together in one bundle. You've got this yes, wheel. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, she's so sweet. And it's, and it's, it's typical and believable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She's got this wheeler-dealer side to her and this sweet and endearing side and this little manipulative side. And oh, yes. This irritating, why type um, yeah. Questioning and and it's it's just such a great combination of features and it all comes together in a great character. Oh yes, it certainly does. You know, I remember one time and and I, I a long time I didn't know who was doing it. And I finally found out. But in another show they did, she used that voice. They were in a museum. And there was a tour group going through, and there was an, an older woman, well, not older woman, she was a grown woman, let's put it that way, in the group. And I thought, that sounds a whole lot like Teeny growing up. And I guess Molly was doing that voice too, but it's the only other one I remember hearing that sounded an awful lot like Teeny. Uh-huh. And every um, once in a while, Molly would slip a word in that, sounded just like Teeny, or Teeny would get a word in that sounded just like Marion. Mm-hmm. Really fun stuff. Can you tell me some of the other characters Marion played? Oh, my goodness. Um, There's one other famous one I can think of. 
probably because because the name of the top character is pretty pretty funny. And she did she did so many minor roles. Mm-hmm. She would play a couple of people in a crowd. Mm-hmm. I I can't re- I can't come up with a single character. Harwood. No, I can't either. One thirty nine. You recognize this gal who comes and sh- serves uh, Fibber and Molly in a restaurant, and his name the character Mrs. Worrybottom. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, that's Mrs. yeah. Mrs. Worrybottom. Yes, if you if you look at she is. I remember it, hearing a it, couple of words that made me say, "I know who that is." Yes, and that's uh, if you look through the reference book, like Dunning, they'll list mm-hmm. the other characters that Molly plays. I think some because we don't have the recording for it, well, that one we do. She sounds, Mrs. Wearybottom sounds like Zazu Pitts. Mm-hmm. And later on, they got Zazu Pitts. Why did they do it? Yeah. And that's probably, probably why they did it. Because it was a success? Uh-huh. Mrs. Wearybottom. Yeah. But she was, she was Lena? No, who, who no. Was, Lena was actually a man. It was Jean, Lena, Jean, was Lena um, Marlon Hurt? No, Marlon Hurt for Bula. Right. And when they, he left, he did, they went in '47. Uh, Jean Carroll, who was a part of a comedy team, they drafted him, and he played that role for a very short he period. Had two men playing. Fe, uh, female, female maids. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, three. Three. Yeah, there's also another one. Bill Thompson played one? Nope. I'm lost on that. Betsy. Oh, that, that was Bill Thompson? No, it was it was, it was was not. At the beginning, it was not. Cliff Arquette? Yes. But didn't Bill Thompson take over Bessie? I think probably not, because, you know, he was doing old-timer. Right. But maybe he did later. Well, it was Old Timer and Bessie were a team. Were a team. Yes. Yeah. Now I didn't know it was Cliff. I know it's so discouraging. So much. It is. I mean, you know, it, I would have thought that people were more educated. <laughs> so much to do, so little time. Yeah, but it's just hard to find things that is an everyday thing, and everybody knows it. And then when you run on somebody that doesn't, it, you, you can't really imagine that. I feel so inadequate. Yeah, I know. Well, I hope. Well, well, straighten me out soon. Yeah, or halfway anyway. <laughs> okay, make sure it's the important half. Okay. But I do want you to, yeah, I do want you to look for those bonbons when you're in the store. And I'll try to find out what brand she had, but um, I don't know how many people make graham crackers. But anyway, well, thank you. Different. I would think you would love them, and I don't think they're very difficult to make either. It's more or less a mix-up thing, and of course you have to heat the chocolate to dip them in. But uh, otherwise, I think it's pretty simple. Mm. Okay. Mm. They are excellent. Oh. Uh. I want the part is she's only made one batch, and I keep dropping hands, but <laughs> no go, huh? Not yet. <laughs> well, you. I can... think we have everything. It's just she ain't done it. Yeah, I, I bet you can be pretty intimidating. But, 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 so but, but just... this is Memorial Day weekend. You should be able to get another batch by Monday. 
Well, I'm really hoping so. She's talking about making a cake today, but I'm going to drop another hint. <laughs> um, what kind of cake? I mean, cakes are, cakes are fine, but I'd rather have these. I'd rather have the other things. Listen, if yeah. it's easier to make them than it is to make a cake, I'm, I'm on oh, your yes. side. I think what she's going to make today probably is a pound cake. I know she had a, one of those two pans or whatever out, so I think that's what she's going to do. Well, you could go hide the pan. Silly. You know, you know I never thought of that. <laughs> Grief. I have to teach you stuff, too. Well. Teaching me how to be Southern, I'm teaching you how to be practical. It, well, yes. <laughs> this is a... Uh, and, and, and set out the peanut butter and the chocolate and all this stuff. Perfect. I'm not hinting or anything, but... Yeah. Yes, that'll work. Well, I'm going to sure bring it up again, because... I sure look having a batch of those things. <laughs> I think it's safe for me to assume you like them. Yeah, you can definitely assume that. And you know, every year at Christmas, she makes several different things when we go to the different, her cousin and his mother and his wife's people and all that stuff. Um, they things at Christmas and, and everybody brings something in and sometimes, it's kind of hard to figure out what you really need to take. But I believe these things will go over with a real blast. These will work. Yeah, it would definitely work. We, I know she she hasn't done this before. This is just something she stumbled on recently, and she's only made one batch, but it was sure a success. Well, I, if I might be so bold as to offer a suggestion... Please don't tell her they were wonderful. Tell her you need another opportunity to give a good taste test. Yeah, well, I want to do like my, well, I shouldn't have said it. Too late. My, my mother would, and I never understood the logic back of this, but she would make something, and it would be absolutely wonderful. And if you told her it was good and make it again, you'd never see it again. If she had something that did not taste good, nobody wanted to eat it, she would make it over and over and over and over. And I just couldn't understand that. Well, she was working on trying to get it right. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I wonder. But I guarantee you if it was really good and you said so, you could forget it. You'd never see it again. Didn't she like you? Must not have. He was. <laughs> Well, at least you had it figured out. I hope you... <laughs> I mean, you know, I love... Thank you. Fried, ...fried peach pies. And it's, I very seldom ever got them because they were made with dried peaches. And, of course, dried peaches are expensive. I've been thinking about drying some myself, but I haven't done it. But every year, my aunt would make a shoebox full of these things and give them to my daddy either for Christmas or his birthday, I can't remember which. And I would get a couple of them, you know, out of the box, and um, they were great. And, of course, I always got my mother to make some of these fried peach pies. Well, she wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. We had one time, well, I'm going to make some fried sweet potato pies. I said, we don't like fried sweet potato pies. We want peach pies. Well, of course, she made the sweet potato pies anyway. Nobody would eat them. My brother, me, or my daddy. And they laid around here, and I guess she ate some of them, and 
I really don't remember. But anyway, she got me. Oh, I'm not going to make any more fried pies. Nobody will eat them. Well, we tried to tell her to start with not to make them. Mm -hmm. Didn't do a bit of good. <laughs> but that's the way life was. Well, it wasn't dull. No, you right about that. You had to ride a mule. Well, I'd rather ride a mule than eat fried sweet potato pies, I'll tell you. Really? Absolutely. Oh, my. I've never had uh, a red sweet potato pie. Well, I can eat it, uh, but I want a regular pie. I don't take care for it in fried pies. But I'm not that much on sweet potato pies anyway, and pumpkin pies I really don't care nothing about. But, you know, the different fruit ones. But I, I still, I guess, prefer peach and cherry. Mostly, I, I've apple has never been one of my top of the list jobs, but uh, it's okay. But I just uh, never cared for sweet potato much, or and pumpkin not at all. Okay, well I'll give you my cherry pie if you give me some sweet potato pie. That sounds like a good change. Okay, that'll be fine. Sounds sounds like a fair one, and and that Thanks. means you won't pick on me until September. Because I'm making this really good arrangement where you wind up with a cherry pie. Okay, what happens in September? I have to go back to school. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, you're right. So I'm off. Well, maybe we really need to get you into a trigonometry course. Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Why? Because I'm sure you're lacking in that educational uh, thing, too. Well, couldn't couldn't we just work on my southern for a while? This, this is southern. Trigonometry is southern. Yes, 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 yes. There, it, it it's taught in all calibers and gauges. Okay, Walden. It, you know how how you tell me I'm adorable? Yes. Rescue me here. <laughs> well, you need to learn how to shoot. Well, I can and that is that. that is the art of of marksmanship. Trigonometry. All right, I can do that. I'm I'm a pretty good marksman. Yeah, I think Patricia can mow them down pretty quickly. Well, that's that's really good. You you really got a foot up on this thing. I know. See, you know, and you gave me a choice of two things, and and the mule was one of them, and I got the other, so that was fifty percent. Now I've absolutely. Yeah, I did well on that one, um, and now I've got marksmanship. This is good. I'm okay with a gun. Well, I am really glad to hear that. You you really improved on my list. <laughs> this is good. Yes, sir. This is good. Okay, so we can we can take that one off my learning item, right? Would, would yes, I, I'm absolutely amazed. Are you really? Yeah, I am. Oh. I I am thoroughly glad to hear it. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not going to shoot anything except maybe a can. Is that all right? All right, it don't matter what you're shooting. Okay, well, it does if it's a person on just, the other just, end. Just so you don't squeal and not touch it. Oh. Now, that would lower you drastically, in my opinion. What am I not touching? A gun. Oh, no, that's okay. I'm, I'm not fond of them. I'm not going to keep one, but I'm, I'm okay touching them. I'm not going to squeal. Oh, well, you're not quite all right, but you're, you're, you're partially okay on it. Yeah, well, you know, partial credit for this course is good. Okay. All right. 
Well, I'm going to get off here and go see if I can do something about some coffee. Okay. And uh, I take mine black. Thank you very much. Me too. Okay. I need to ruin coffee. Yeah, uh, and, and I hope I get credit for that. Absolutely. Thank you. And I always, when they come around at a restaurant or something, want to know if I want coffee, and I tell them, yes, the high-octane variety. Mm -hmm. The hot what? High-octane. Oh, the high-octane, yeah. As, as opposed to the decaf. Uh-huh, and I like mine naked. Absolutely. <clears throat> We're doing really well here. Yeah. This is good. Well, y'all have fun. Okay, maybe we'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Okay, Harvard. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye-bye. 714-545-2071. So we found out Patricia would not handle it too well if coffee got rationed. <laughs> no, no, that, that would be my thing. What else? I'm just thinking. I wonder how big of a ration was coffee during World War II. Oh, it was, and they took it off, and they, I believe that was another one that they put back on. Hold on, let me see here. Cans and rationing, World War II rationing, info, coffee, let's see, coffee, 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 United States coffee. Um, I just ran a little searchy here. Bum, okay, we instituted coffee rations November 1942, and ended it in July 1943. So it was eight months. Wow. Why? They probably couldn't get the coffee bean from Brazil. Yeah, but I mean, why would why would they end rationing so quickly? Maybe after only eight months. Maybe they started to grow their own coffee beans. I don't think so. Ooh. I don't think so. But we, we started and ended and started and ended on a couple of things, which really surprises me. Well, maybe because it can't, was coffee sold in cans back in them days, or uh, could more of them were still in glass? I, I think coffee was sold in bags, in packages, so not even glass or cans. Mm -hmm. it, it, coffee was usually sold as beans, not pre-ground. And you bought a bag of beans, and you put it in this coffee grinder and held your bag underneath. You know, you emptied the bag into the grinder, held your bag underneath this little spout, hit the button, and it went grind, grind, grind. And all of this would pour out into your bag. But as far as I know, that was the only way that coffee came, was in the bag. <clears throat> so... Well, maybe that's why it's, when the Sanka come in vogue, you know, uh, they talk about Sanka and those things seem to be very big in, during the war. So maybe that's where the coffee ration at, and that's when Sanka and those types of products took off. Mm, no, I think Sanka came after the war. Let me see. Keep talking. I have to find Sanka. Sanka, whatever, the one that used to sponsor the Aldrich family, whatever that. Post them. Post them. I'm thinking, I guess I'm thinking of post them. Okay. But, well, yeah, I, I think Sanka was, I remember that in the early 70s, because of the caffeine thing. Decaffeinated coffee was developed in 1903. Really? I never would have guessed that. Mm. Okay. Um, 
under the name of Coffee Hog, H-A-G, short for Coffee Handel's Aitken Gestapf. I take it it was German. And, or coughing trading, Coffee Trading Public Company. In France, the brand became Sanka, derived from the French words. Uh, the brand came to the United States in 1909 or 1910, where it was marketed as De Kaffa. Never heard of De Kaffa. Um, radio and TV. I thought it was like maybe 1960s it came into vogue. All right. The intensive American advertising campaigns included the 1927 broadcasts of Sanka After Dinner Hour. Did you ever hear of that? Never heard of it. It was on at 6.30 p.m. Tuesdays in New York. It was a New York show. Oh, okay. Sanka was the sponsor of I Love Lucy and the Andy Griffith Show. In the 50s and 60s, it was also the sponsor of the Goldbergs, where on many programs, Molly, Mrs. Gertrude Goldberg, or I'm sorry, by, Mrs. Molly Goldberg was played by Gertrude Berg. Right. Uh, she would address the camera and talk to the TV audience and tell them about Sanka Coffee. When, when were the Goldbergs on television? Uh, early 50s. I'll be darned. Yeah. 1903. Give me, give me a break. Oh, I, I learned this. I learned this, and you told me I was out of vogue. Shut up. <laughs> Gotta have an attitude when you say that. <laughs> Shut up. You don't got a valley girl image going there. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a little outdated, isn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is discouraging now. But anyway, um, decaffeinated coffee just goes through a process. And they, they used to use, I don't know what they use now, but it was one step removed from um, cleaning fluid to get the caffeine out of the coffee. Well, that's, kind of a benzene product. That, that's, that's very comforting. Yeah, I know. Then that'll, that'll get you back on caffeine pretty quick. <laughs> And how do we do this? Oh, well, could I have the high-octane stuff, please? <laughs> Too much fun. Okay. Give out a phone number, and then I've got more stuff for you. Okay, now a phone number. Well, it's 1702 Huh? You're confusing people. You think so? 714-545-2071. Well, you can confuse me, and that's a pretty easy thing to do. No, I cannot confuse adorables. Oh, yes, you can. No, I can't. Would you like some ice cream information? Yes, did you find one? I've, well, I don't have any free ice cream, but I've got other good stuff, too. Oh. So maybe you can find some freebies okay. in, in another area that I will tell you about later. But here's ice cream stuff. The United States consumes the most ice cream per capita. That's well, pretty good. I, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad. I mean, we flopped on chocolate. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This is good. All right. Now, I found this one, and it is so cool. Kent State University was the first to teach a course in ice cream manufacturing. Nice. 
Classes continue in the university's College of Business. Isn't that cool? You can actually go to college and learn how to make ice cream. You can get a degree in ice cream. You can get a degree in ice cream. Or you can listen to Fibber McGee and Molly and hear how they did it with that, ice cream crank. That too. Yeah. Howard Johnson ice cream. I didn't know Howard Johnson was also an ice cream. Yeah, Howard Johnson had their own, or has their own, I guess, huh. uh, brand of ice cream. Uh -huh. It has, uh, the higher the butter fat, the tastier it is. Mm-hmm. It's another case of if it tastes good, spit it out, and then you got a heart-healthy diet. So 28% butter fat in Howard Johnson ice cream. Premium ice cream is 12%. Just your everyday run-of-the-mill premium ice cream mm -hmm. has 12% butter fat, and Howard Johnson cranked up a recipe with 28% butter fat. Well, the more, the more fat you have, the... Fresh room for calories. <laughs> oh, I love the way you think. You are so lovable. <laughs> I was going to ask. This is good. You know, when you and Holly were talking about calories, that got me thinking. Uh-huh. What food is the highest, most, is the highest concentrate of calories, actually? Well, fat. Any kind of fat. Okay. So what, what fatty food has the most calories? Gee whiz. Yeah. Gee whiz. Fatty food. Mm -hmm. I was gonna... Now, if you fry something, it, it can, bacon is loaded with fat. Right. Um, ham is pretty well trimmed these days. Correct. Um, fried food. Fried food. Fried chicken. I bet there's somebody out there, if you're going to do a calorie, what is the highest calorie concentrated food, it would come up with a chart. The highest, I, do you know the answer to No, that? I don't. I guess, oh, well, I, then I thought you were asking no, me. No, no, I just don't want food for thought when you and Hollywood were talking. Like yeah, just, well, fat is almost, has almost twice the calories as other you know, uh, carbohydrates, for example. Yeah. Uh, fat is nine calories per gram, and carbohydrates are four calories per gram. So is sugar a, a carbohydrate? Carbohydrate, right. Sugar has four calories per gram. And fat has nine calories, which is why fatty food is so fattening. Stuff <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goes from lips to hip. <laughs> it just doesn't pass go. It doesn't collect two hundred dollars. It just relocates very quickly. Poof. So you put chocolate syrup on a steak, you you got the best of both worlds, right? Would you pardon me? I have to go. Uh. <laughs> 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 Oh, Walden, what an image. I'll get to the happy stuff now. Okay. You just contain yourself. I'm just thinking about the fatty food, that's all. Um, and if I, I would guess, I'll have to think about that. Mm -hmm. As, uh, with bacon, the, the tasty part of the bacon is the fat. The more fat you have on bacon, it really fries up well. Okay, Ben and Jerry's. They know how to get employees and keep them happy. Every employee can have three pints of ice cream a day. Oh, man. I mean, can you imagine going home with three pints of ice cream? That's a quart and a half of ice cream every single day. Can you imagine if somebody said, Hun, I decided to quit. And especially if she's an ice cream freak, she's going to say, You're nuts. 
You're not. Don't quit that job. You keep that job. Well, I have to because I can't sit through the door anymore. <laughs> Three pints of ice cream a day. Well, you know, if you if you if you have family and kids and you want to give some to mom, yeah, mm-hmm. that's okay. Ben and mm-hmm. Jerry's is the number one tourist attraction in the state of Virginia. I thought I thought they were located up in Vermont. I'm sorry, Vermont. Yeah. I, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. <laughs> uh oh. Hello there. You said, uh-oh. I know. We figured somebody. We know. You you must, like, know who's calling. No, I don't. Well, let's put it this way. I can't see the caller ID. Now, Patricia might. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's your caller ID, so I can't, I can't see from over here. Okay. All right. What, what we, is, I'm just calling back again because you, you said something interesting. Yes. Most high... High calorie food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and this could be homework for Patricia. Oh god. Oh, oh god. Because <laughs> uh, oh, years ago, I read that macadamia nuts are 90 calories per nut. Yeah, that's pretty high stuff. That's. How how big are macadamia nuts? They're not they're that big. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're like a thumbnail. Yeah, they're pretty big. So we have and ten grams of fat in there. Nine and, grams. And and they're good fats. Yeah. Well, it, there are good fats and there are bad fats. However, fat fat is fat fat. Grease <laughs> <laughs> fat is fat. So uh, let's well, okay macadamia. I'll I'll tell you. I um, had some guests over one time, and, you know, macadamia nuts are not cheap. No. And, well, I had some treats out on the table, and um, we were, you know, just sitting around talking and and having snacks and and drinking, and um, I noticed that my two guests were like, gobbling up those macadamia nuts. And I said, well, you know, I just read that those are like 90 calories a piece. Those are really good to pack in your backpack when you go hiking <laughs> because you can eat, you know, 20 nuts and you've, you've got enough for a day. <laughs> you don't have to haul all of this stuff around. Just eat a handful of nuts. You're good for the week. <laughs> and, well... The, the lady who was there, like, looks at me, and her mouth drops open, and she's like, oh, my God, I just ate 20 nuts. <laughs> well, according to the official counter here... Blew my diet. <laughs> well, a serving size is 10 to 12 nuts, or kernels, that they, they call them here. 10 to 12 is your serving, and the serving is 203 calories. However, 193 of those are from fat, so they are extraordinarily high fat content. Yeah. Well, I think peanuts are high in fat content, too. Yeah, not like macadamias. Wow. Wow. This is a big one. Okay, let's see with peanuts. They're so so good. They are so good, but um, 90 per nut is a little rough. That's not quite right. Well, it depends what makes you a special macadamia nuts. Well, it worked on my guest. 
she stopped eating those expensive products. <laughs> when you're talking about expensive product, my gosh, I'd tell them that too. All right, the calorie counter. Let's see what the calorie counter says for peanuts. Peanuts. The calorie count for peanuts. One peanut. <laughs> One peanut has six calories. So 10 peanuts would have 60 calories. And let's see, the fat percentage. Percentage from fat. Okay, four, four out of the six calories are from fat. And in macadamia, <clears throat> 193 out of 203 are from fat. So peanuts do not have nearly the same amount of fat. So peanuts are lower in fat in terms of percentages. Right. Yeah. Eh, peanuts are good too. Peanuts are good too. But actually, I've been wondering for years if that fact that I had heard about 90 calories per nut was true. Thank you for correcting well, me. Well, you know, but again, if you glue two macadines together, it could have been 90, 90 calories. Somebody gave Walden something to eat tonight. I'm sorry, Dennis. I don't know what it was. What have you been into, Walden? Let's see. It must have been the fish I had last night, the Maui Maui. We had Maui Maui. Did you eat fish? Uh-huh. I am so proud of you. I know. We, and we also we had uh, gumbo tonight. Oh, my goodness. Two nights in a row. Mm -hmm. And you survived. I know. Your tummy is okay? Uh-huh. Well, I made sure I had a peanut butter sandwich before the show. Tummy wasn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's happy. I was getting hungry after. Did not fill it up. I no. 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 Oh, well. Well, you, it, it's okay. You have my permission to keep lying to your guests if they keep eating the expensive stuff. Why do you even put it out? Just don't put it out next time. You put out peanuts. Well, what more people put out for guests, anyway? Well. Yeah, that's a good trivia. What, if you're going to have guests over, what do you... You generally serve them. That is a good trivia. Mm -hmm. I always, I always put out the best I can think that they might like, but then sometimes what surprises me is that they come in and they act so hungry, and I've thought about that, mm -hmm. and. Um, I'm, I'm at the, you know, most of the people I, I have over are people I work with. Right. And I think what it is is that they all have wives at home who control their diets. <laughs> and when they come over and see nice treats, they're so voracious <laughs> that they act like animals. <laughs> You know, yeah. you have not endeared yourself now to two groups, not oh. one. Your endearing qualities are not shining tonight. <laughs> what? I'm giving treats that are, like, best. Right, but the guys are animals and the women are shrews. This is not good. Oh. This is well, good. nobody likes me anyway. We we have to we have to come up with a public relations campaign for Dennis. Okay, well you have you have the 
of your macadamia nuts solved, and we did good. You did good. Did good. And um, you hang in there. Yeah, thank you for that. But I'm glad you brought up that whole question of. Well, we got it solved. This is good. Yeah. Well, I have more to go, so maybe you'll find something else in the list <laughs> to um, to pick on me about. Oh, I'm not picking on you. Ah. Uh, well, you're a good. You're, you're too adorable. That's oh, right. thank you. Thank you. Well, you're a good guy for staying up this late with us, and and maybe you'll stay even a little bit later. You gonna do a show? Yeah. You'll stay with us, right? Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, cool. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. You're gonna have Patricia and I over. What are you gonna serve? That will determine if we become if we become house guests. So, oh, listen. That? Somebody says food. I'm I'm there. I know. Just food. I know. Just food. Hot uh, a bowl of hot fries. So it'll definitely be over. So seven one four five four five. Two o seven one. Rice is enormous carbohydrates, many many calories, packed by the punch. Okay, what is? Uh, I know that a lot of long distance runners that seem like a common thing they eat spaghetti the night before, because the comp the the, the carbohydrates are so complex. And uh, tell me. Spaghetti. No, I mean, who who would eat this? Marathon runners. Marathon runners, yeah. yeah. It, and, you know, spaghetti is not actually a complex carb. Mm. So that's interesting. Um, but it, it, it would pack on and keep their blood sugar up, that's for sure. <laughs> that's what they needed. Okay, what is Ben and Jerry's best-selling flavor? Uh, I think it's something rainbow, isn't it? Macadamia rainbow or something? Chocolate chip cookie. Hmm. They actually put chocolate chip cookies in their ice cream. That's what? not one I would have picked. No, I think Patricia would have that separate. I, I, yeah, don't don't break up my cookies. No, 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 no. But of course then the calories leak out, so there might be some merits in That's there. That's true. Yeah. All right, the Joy Cone Company. The Joy Cone Company. Yes. The largest manufacturer of cone shells, ice cream cone mm -hmm. shells, mm -hmm. one billion a year. And they're not the only ones, but they, this one company that came up with the first, it was the first manufacturer, mass manufacturer to put out ice cream cones. So if we just had 1%, that still be a lot of cone for us to eat. Uh, that's a lot of cones. Yeah. A lot of cones. Yeah. Okay. It is still the largest ice cream cone company. They have been forevermore. There is an ice cream place called Hoppies, H-O-P-P-I-E, just like Hopalong Cassidy. Uh -huh. Hoppies in Oxford, New York, that developed a machine that puts stripes on the swirls of swirly soft cream. You know, it's, it's got, yes, yeah. it, they have ridges, and yes, they, yeah. they've got a machine that actually puts colors on the ridges. Ah. Isn't that cute? Yep. Okay. Do you like soft serve? Say what? Do you like soft serve ice cream? Uh-huh, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Do you like it, though? 
Do I like it? Mm-hmm. Does is it ice cream? Yeah. Okay. We even need to Okay, add? okay. I thought maybe had a preference between my mom always likes looking for soft serve. Oh, soft serve is very good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Sure, I like that. Okay, okay. That's good. And if you've got a quart of hot fudge, that'll be great. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just keep. What I want is a bowl of hot fudge with a little dollop of soft serve ice cream on it. Okay, ice cream cones official invention happened where? In St. Louis, Missouri. Right. What for, year? For the 1904 World Fair. You remember. I do. On you. Good on you. Okay, the International Association of Ice Cream Manufacturers proclaims that the story of Ernest Hamwe, a Syrian immigrant, to be the strongest candidate for the title of the inventor of the ice cream cone. There are some questions about that. There, There is a second person who likes to jump up and, you know. So Mr. Hamway took his waffles and while they were still warm and pliable, wrapped them into the shape of a cone to give them next to the, the next vendor who was next to him at the World's Fair. And he was an ice cream vendor. So the ice cream person filled the, uh, the waffles that were bent into a cone shape or a cup shape, filled them with ice cream, and it was a successful, wonderful treat. So the Joy Cone Company has been in business since 1918. The company is still owned and operated by the George family, together with the employees. It's an ESOP. How about that? SOP? What's that? ESOP. It's an employee stock owned business. Oh, okay. Okay. I wasn't thinking in terms of stock stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So employees are essentially the owners of the company. Uh -huh. So this is really cool. Yeah. So they get their dividends and cones. I don't think so. I think Ben and Jerry's can get away with ice cream. I don't think people are going to take cones as a raise or an added benefit. <laughs> they have to be filled up. Even with hot fudge? Well, you know. Okay. Now you're talking. <laughs> I have useful and fun stuff, and I have useless and fun stuff. Want to do that? You want to play a show? What would you like to do? I'm ready to play a show. You're ready to play a show? Yep. I want to get up and stretch for a little bit, so why don't we play a show? Okay. Which one would you like to play? Why don't we play the first one that you picked out? Which was? The one, The Great Girl of Sweet, from May 30th, 1943. Uh-huh. We have a couple of trivia questions in here, and I'll give them out. First one is, tell me the why there's a tie, and what 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 common elements you can find in Dragnet and The Great Girl of Sweet. So, what Ooh. we're going to play. Okay. Number two, Mr. Peavy gave Leroy a nickname. What was it? Okay. There you go. So both of these, the answers are in this show uh -huh. that you're going to play, and the name of the show? It's The Great Girls Week from May 30th, 1943. And the title is up for grabs. The title's up for grabs, you bet. So you ready? I'm ready. Here we go.
Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> Company also bring you Ben Cosby every day tonight. Is that each week at this time, Harold Perry as the Great Builders League, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore. We'll hear from the Great Builders League in just a moment. At first, do the men in your family think flavor is the most important virtue of the food you serve? Well, you homemakers know that nutrition is equally important. And that's why parquet, the quality margarine made by Kraft, is so popular with so many American families. For parquet margarine is a wonderful red ration stamp value in both flavor and nutrition. It requires just five red ration points a pound, and it has a delicate, appetizing flavor that really satisfies. As a spread for bread and a seasoning for hot cooked vegetables, I think you'll agree that parquet flavor is just about tops. Cakes and cookies taste better than made with parquet margarine, too, because it's a real flavor shortening, and you like it for pan frying because it doesn't sputter or stick to the pan. What's more, parquet is highly nutritious. In fact, it's one of the best energy foods you can serve, and it's a reliable year-round source of vitamin A. So for flavor, for economy, and for good nutrition, ask your dealer for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. Summerfield in the Great Gildersleeve. It's the last day of May, just four weeks before his wedding day, and Gildersleeve is a busy, busy man. This morning, while others make preparations for the Memorial Day exercises, the great man is in his study, straightening out his affairs and clearing the decks for matrimony. So we find him now with pen in hand, laboring over the composition of a mighty document. I, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, being of sound mind and body, to hereby devise and decree. John, my boy, parades never start on time. Isn't that right, Ben? I don't know, Mr. Gildersleeve. I thought we were just going to watch it go by the house here. Well, you are, but I'm going to march in it. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, what war were you in? Uh, I was in World War I, Ben. Oh, sure. Uh, did you get to France, Mr. Gildersleeve? I should say I did, my boy. Paris. Uh, I wonder if you can get over there. I suppose I might. Yes. Well, if you do, I wonder if... Uh, Leroy, will you go help your sister for a minute? <laughs> She ain't doing anything. She's not doing anything. That's what I said. Never mind. Go away. Go away. All right. We're going to turn that down. Uh, according to people who have good ears or delicate ears, we're going to dump out that one. Right, Patricia? Yeah, it sounded um, muddy and uh, kind of out of speed. So maybe we have a better copy, and this one will be a Fibber McGee and Molly show. Let's hope so. Uh, that, it would have been a fun show because it was a Memorial Day show, and as we were talking earlier, there yeah. aren't a whole lot of holiday shows. But I'll give out the trivia. Those of you who are looking for that show, it's May 30th, 1943. Uh, Not uh, show sure, a copy to go off generation, but that's okay. But uh, heads up. Let me give you the trivia question. Ben Waterford was played... By Ben Alexander, who is also Frank Smith in Dragnet. So that, that's what Warren was trying to tie you into. Which which one, which character was... Um... Marjorie's boyfriend was named Ben. Oh, Ben, okay. Yeah, so I played by Ben Alexander, who is also Kidding, Frank Smith. I did not know that. Uh-huh. And then the, no, the nickname that Mr. Peavy gave to, Walter Te- uh, to Leroy, because Leroy is working in his drugstore today. 
Yeah. Uh, Mr. Uh, Leroy called him Chief. Mr. Peavy. Uh-huh. And Mr. Chief called Leroy Little Beaver. Oh, no joke. Yeah. How neat. Yep. Crossover. Were they playing on the same network? Little uh, Red Rider? And- uh, nope. Nope. Maybe maybe NBC Blue, and this would have been NBC Red. Sort of could have been. Maybe for a little while. Oh, a little, little bit of cross-acting uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. Oh, that is cute. All right. We're going to jump out of that and get into one of my favorite Fairy McGee Molly shows of all time. Because I think it's just a cute show, and I remember listening to it all over the radio when I used to re- uh, syndicate Fairy McGee Molly back in the 70s. It's this show. Is this show. I've got a lead-in, and I've got some questions about it. All right. All right. We've got... Um, the name of this is Vacation Plans Canoeing. Fibber and Molly, um, oh, it opens up with Fibber saying what a wonderful day it is. And they decide, after a little bit of Fibberism in there, they're going canoeing on Dugan's Lake because it's the perfect way to spend a perfect afternoon. Now, this is the last show before summer vacation in 1949. So everyone is dropping by to say goodbye. They're going on vacation. Mayor Latrivia gets into one of his snits uh, as a result of his contact with Fibber. So it, it's a good show because there are so many characters coming in and out. So anyway, Fibber packs enough for this afternoon to take on an entire summer vacation. And they're just going out for a couple of hours on the lake. And one of the things he takes is his mandolin. Hooray for us. All right. Right. We have an outstanding closet scene in here. And I will have three questions when we get back. Do you want me to give them ahead of time? Up to you. We can just wait for people to really pay attention and listen to them. And you can give them to them. Whatever you want to do. Well, let me give them so people can pay attention. And then if you call in, by the way, if you call in with an answer, we get to talk about radio shows All right. to add to your collection. So the first question would be, Fibber and Doc get into a fuss in here. Fibber accuses Doc of tipping over the rowboat the last time they went fishing, but Doc says it's Fibber's fault for screaming and jumping up on Doc's shoulders. Why did Fibber scream and jump up, jump up on Doc's shoulders? A second, Teeny has a crush on someone in this show. Teeny is in this one. She's so cute in here. She's extra cute in this particular show. But Teeny has a crush on someone. Who is it? And the third, when Molly and Fibber are out in the canoe, Molly drops the paddle in the water, and Fibber couldn't retrieve it. Now, knowing how Fibber can play the mandolin, I think Molly was a very wise lady, and she does too. But Fibber and Molly are out on the canoe. Fibber, um, Molly drops the paddle in the water. Fibber can't retrieve it. How did they manage to paddle home? The end. All right. Going to be listening to Vacation Plans Canoeing on Dugan's Lake from May 31st, 1949. Johnson Black Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson Black and Johnson's self-polishing glow coat present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, Dick 
Dick LeGrand, Bud Steffen, and me, Arlo Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Produced and directed by Frank Pittman with music by the King's Band and Billy Mills Orchestra. I'm sure a lot of things go into the making of a beautiful room. But one woman gave me a hint about the importance of floors. She said that a beautiful room, like a lovely picture, needs a beautiful frame. And there's nothing that frames a room better than the smooth luster of a well-waxed floor. That, of course, is why Johnson's Paste Wax is a steady favorite with fine homemakers today, just as it was...